tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about serotonin and dopamine. 
I'm starting a little series on neurotransmitters and how they relate to addiction. So in this episode, I'll explain what serotonin is, how serotonin and dopamine work together, and how they are affected by alcohol. You'll learn why alcohol causes depression and suicidal thoughts, and I have a fun fact at the end of the episode about serotonin and dreams. So let's dig in. Serotonin is a chemical that is responsible for our emotions, reacting to condition cues, impulsivity, anxiety, aggression, and judgment. Condition cues are things that we learn, like that after work means it's time to drink. Serotonin is an inhibitory neurotransmitter, which means that it slows down brain activity. SSRIs that treat anxiety and depression are designed to slow down the recycling of serotonin so that it hangs around longer and works on neurons. So that's why they're called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Serotonin prevents excitability of the brain, which if you listen to episode 22, then you know that that leads to feelings of anxiety. So serotonin also influences behavior, perception, controlling our appetite, body temperature, sleep, learning, memory, digestion, sexual response, and smooth muscle tissue. So if you've taken an SSRI, you can see like why it has such a wide range of potential side effects because serotonin plays a role in a lot of different things in the body. Our mood and ability to keep ourselves alive are regulated by serotonin and dopamine. So alcohol and other drugs have a major effect on these two neurotransmitters, which is why they have the ability to completely take over our lives. Addiction changes our personality and creates destructive behaviors like obsession, continuing to seek out alcohol no matter what, having no control over how much you drink so when you start you can't stop, withdrawal symptoms if you do try to stop, extreme levels of denial, hiding your drinking, blackouts, depression, low self-esteem, and anxiety. So serotonin and dopamine work together to help us survive. They help us understand our surroundings, know whether we have enough food or not, regulate our appetite, and determine how aggressive we need to be to get food. So I think serotonin's link to aggression is less well known, but it's been proposed that there's actually a subset of problem drinkers who are particularly vulnerable to alcohol's effect on serotonin levels and that this may be the cause of alcohol-induced aggression. So we all know people who are mean drunks, so serotonin could be part of the cause. It's not that they're like mean, horrible people. Maybe they are. But some people just turn into nasty drunks and they have no idea why. So serotonin could be playing a role there. Because like I said before, serotonin helps regulate how aggressive we need to be in order to fulfill our needs. There is a study published in 2010 in Genes, Brain, and Behavior, and it compared mice who were aggressive when they had alcohol and mice who weren't. They found that the aggressive mice had less serotonin in their prefrontal cortex, which is involved in personality expression, decision-making, and moderating social behavior. So this could either be a side effect of drinking for certain mice or a trait that makes them more vulnerable to alcohol-induced aggression. So I talked a lot about serotonin, depression, and aggression way back in episode 13. 
So if you're interested in how low levels of serotonin make us more vulnerable to aggression, depression, and developing a problem, please go check that episode out. So that's episode 13. Alcohol causes a big boost in serotonin and dopamine levels, and that causes our brain to become dependent on alcohol to release these chemicals. Our brains depend on alcohol to function correctly. So drugs that affect serotonin will affect our mood. So someone could be extremely happy or they could fall into a deep depression or both depending on their drinking. So some people describe themselves as a happy drunk and that is because the big boost of serotonin that they get when they drink. But maybe later on in the night, they're crying in the bathroom with their girlfriends. So that is all alcohol's effect on serotonin. So it gives you a big boost when you start drinking and then a big crash below baseline after the drinking is over. Drugs that affect dopamine levels like alcohol will change our motivation, motor functioning, sense of pleasure, and how we're affected by events. And drugs that affect serotonin will change our ability to learn, our memory, sleep pattern, and our emotions. So you can kind of see the wide range of effects that alcohol can have on us. Alcohol, THC, opioids, and stimulants affect serotonin levels the most out of all drugs. So as we continue to abuse alcohol, the brain produces less dopamine and serotonin because alcohol is reliably doing it. So alcohol causes a big burst in these neurotransmitters, so the brain becomes desensitized to them. So it's like if you turn this episode all the way up and blew your ears out. Natural rewards are more like having this episode on the lowest volume setting, which you probably wouldn't be able to hear. So this is why we become so depressed at the end of our drinking. Our brain stops creating dopamine and serotonin naturally or does it much, much less. And because it's been desensitized from too much of these neurotransmitters from drinking, nothing feels good anymore except drinking. Nothing makes us feel happy anymore except for drinking. So we believe that alcohol is the only thing that makes us happy We might refer to it as our best friend and that nothing else is more important than keeping it in our lives. And that is our reality. Like alcohol is the only thing that is making us happy. But the truth is alcohol is the reason that you feel so horrible. So it makes you feel horrible and then it provides a temporary solution. But then it makes you feel horrible again. So if you listen to last week's episode about dopamine then you learn that dopamine motivates us to do things that will satisfy our needs and keep us alive. When these needs are met, serotonin is released, which makes us feel satisfied and happy. And this actually inhibits the release of more dopamine. So when serotonin levels drop, the motivating effects of dopamine are amplified because serotonin isn't around to reduce it. And this drives us to search again to fulfill our needs. So this is called a feedback loop. One chemical will regulate the other. So as we abuse alcohol, the brain becomes desensitized to serotonin and dopamine. Symptoms of low dopamine levels, like in the end of someone's drinking, would include fatigue, 
memory loss, depression, personality disorders coming out, panic, and anxiety. And symptoms of low serotonin could include constipation, nausea, insomnia, depression, struggling to learn new things, and confusion. So our brains can always adapt, though. And in sobriety, the brain can learn to produce the correct amounts of neurotransmitters, but it has to learn that alcohol is not going to be around anymore. And this adjustment takes time, but it will happen if you continue not to drink. So go listen to episode 26 if you haven't yet. That's all about how the brain recovers in sobriety. And this adjustment period is why early sobriety is so difficult because your brain depends on alcohol to function correctly and feel happy and calm itself down and so many other things. So it's going to send you cravings to drink so that it can get what it needs because it doesn't remember that it's supposed to produce these chemicals on its own. So we've talked about the link between alcohol abuse and depression, but people who are struggling with addiction will feel such extreme feelings of sadness that they may even consider suicide. People who struggle with alcohol are up to 120 times more likely to commit suicide than someone who does not struggle with alcohol. We have higher rates of both attempted and completed suicides than people who do not abuse alcohol, and more than one-third of suicide victims had alcohol in their system at their time of death. So I experienced suicidal thoughts at the end of my drinking. And I thought it was me. I really believed that I was just a suicidal, depressed person until I stopped drinking. And then the suicidal thoughts went away. And if you know anything about my drinking, then you may remember that I took 90 days off in order to like reset myself and be able to drink moderately. And that was prompted by really scary suicidal thoughts. And during those 90 days, I didn't feel suicidal anymore. And I made the link between my problematic drinking and being suicidal. I still went back to drinking, though, because I really believed it would be different this time. And I quickly learned that it wasn't because all of the suicidal feelings came right back. And that was the proof that I needed to finally quit for good. I was able to believe that no matter how much time passes, alcohol will always make me feel suicidal. And that's the truth. Our drinking only gets worse. It doesn't stay the same and it doesn't improve. It's only getting worse over time, even if you take breaks and go back to it. So the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration found that alcohol use disorder was a significant factor for people medically treated after a suicide attempt, and 30 to 40% of them were actually intoxicated. And studies have found that 40% of people being treated for alcohol addiction had at least one previous suicide attempt, and that more than 80% of people who have committed suicide had a history of alcohol abuse and depression. It's thought that people may be trying to self-medicate their depression with alcohol, which only makes it worse and leads to suicidal thoughts. Because, like I said, our drinking only gets worse over time. So depression and addiction are linked, but either one can come first. And they can build off of each other. Like you drink because you're depressed, and then you're depressed because you drink. So many of us self-medicate with alcohol to avoid our emotions. We feel sad, and we know that when we drink, we feel better. 
But drinking prevents us from actually processing anything and moving through it. Sadness, even though it sucks, can be used to help us learn to make different choices and motivate us to push ourselves out of our comfort zones. If you learn to feel your sadness and process it, then you'll become a more resilient person who's capable of handling tough things. But if you never allow yourself to get through anything, then you do not learn how to be resilient and you stay stuck in needing alcohol to cope. The longer that we drink, the lower our self-esteem becomes because we're probably saying that we're not going to drink and then we do or that we're only going to drink a certain amount, but then we drink more than that. Abusing alcohol also causes us to humiliate ourselves by falling, drunk texting people, or getting sloppy drunk in public. So humiliation is a belief that others will make fun of us. So if someone is humiliated when they're already feeling really horrible about themselves, then it's likely that they'll develop depression or struggle with anger. Humiliation also increases the risk of suicide because it causes hopelessness. So the best thing that you can do if you're struggling with shame and humiliation is to share that shame with someone that you trust. Share it in a meeting. Write about it anonymously. Write me an email and tell me about your shame. So you can email me at jill at soberpowered.com. The best thing that you can do is share it and get it out because when we hold shame in our hearts, it has the power to hurt us and hold us back and make us want to drink to forget about it. But when you can get it out to someone that you trust, they might have a very similar experience and that makes you feel better about yourself. What if you shared something with me or like a a friend that you really trust and then they share with you that they've experienced like basically the same thing you might feel a lot better about it it might give you a different perspective and getting compassion from someone that you care about and trust is so helpful so i found a fun fact about serotonin and it didn't fit into this episode at all, but I thought it was a nice way to end it because I do think it's cool and wanted to share it with you. So serotonin takes a break while we go to sleep. So our anxieties and unresolved problems will show up in our dreams because serotonin isn't regulating our mood anymore. So that's why your dreams can be like crazy or weird or stuff that would never actually happen in real life could happen in your dream. So when someone takes a psychedelic drug like LSD, that actually stops the release of serotonin. So they'll hallucinate crazy things. And that's why, because the drug prevents the release of serotonin. So it's like the things that show up in your dreams show up while you're awake because serotonin can't do its job. I hope that this episode was helpful. If you are really enjoying the podcast, then the best thing that you can do is share it with other people so that we can get this information out there and help everybody finally stop drinking and embrace sobriety and be happier. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to you next week. I'm
Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.